Bootstrapping your business can sometimes feel lonely. Welcome to the Bootstrapped European Entrepreneur Podcast, where you can hear the stories of your peers, as well as the strategies and tactics that have helped them grow their businesses. Your host, Uroj, co-founded a company as a student and led it through the trials and tribulations of bootstrapping to the IPO on the stock exchange. Hi, our guest today is Matej Gwit, an academic beaten by the entrepreneurship bug. His second entrepreneurial project is Instatex, a writing assistant that helps you rewrite your text into a more readable and understandable version. In this episode, we talk about how he came up with this idea, the challenges of selling a product from the entirely new category that actually nobody knows about, customer discovery process, scaling sales, and much more. I really hope you will enjoy this episode. Hi, Matej. Thank you for joining us today here. Uh, hi, Uroš. Thank you for inviting me. I must say, when you first use your product, Instatex, it's non-obvious experience. So for me, the question is, how did you come up with this idea? Because it's not obvious, let's say. Well, it, it was quite obvious to us in academic writing uh, because it started with a real problem in academic writing. Uh, usually, you have to communicate difficult ideas and difficult concepts in understandable manner. And initial drafts are often poorly written and need to be rewritten completely. And also, editing an edit academic paper takes a lot of time and effort. And sometimes entire paragraphs need to be rewritten completely. And there's also no help available, and you need help in real time. So there was a clear need for a tool that could help us write uh, better in English huh. uh, and in real time. Actually, because of your position as, a, let's say, a member of academia and, uh, let's say, experience of writing papers and abstracts and so on, you were actually acutely aware of this problem. Yes, I'm still a professor at the university and uh, active as a mentor and also uh, a lecturer from the field of um, artificial intelligence and data science. So this idea was was quite um, happened quite a long time ago. So to create an online tool that would use artificial intelligence to provide somehow instant recommendations and ideas to improve the content of any text written in in English. And it it was obvious to me as a researcher I, I needed such a tool. Okay, but uh, what were the prerequisites that this idea could actually happen? Because uh, you are now a professor and, uh, pa, pa, let's say, a faculty member of for quite some time, and the tool is quite young. So what, what changed? Yes, there were some significant technology changes in the last um, decade. There, we've seen some significant advances in, in AI. Deep learning enables significant breakthroughs in language technologies, there was also a very important breakthrough in reinforcement learning, uh, widely known as AlphaZero, that enabled powerful technology that continuously improves and leads to better and better performance. Okay, so you're in a position where you are aware of the problem, and you were also aware of, let's say, technological progress in this field of, uh, let's say, AI, uh, deep neural networks, and so on. So what else needed to happen to actually Let's say that these uh, two components actually became a product. It was perhaps at the time when um, 
when Alpha Zero became a, the best chess player on, on the planet. So actually, the new, some even call it revolutionary concept is, could we set up improving text as a game? So if a computer that knew nothing about chess just a day ago was able to learn how to play the game better than any human, and to do so only by playing against itself. So could we um, use such approach to also be applied in computer language acquisition? For example, can we maximize the readability of the text? This was a crucial concept. Yeah. Okay, so how did you then approach, let's say, you now you know, know that the tools are available, let's say probably, possibly, uh, you know the problem. Uh, how did you then, appro- did you then approach of uh, setting up Instatext, let's say? It certainly took years of experimenting with various technologies, but at the end, after obtaining some very promising results with the latest technologies, I presented this new concept to uh, Marcus, a language technology expert from Klagenfurt, who then later became a co-founder, so from Austria, who immediately uh, recognized it, uh, its potential. And then we set to work, and after a few months, we engaged a front-app developer, and early in uh, 2019, so that was in 2018. And in 2019, we also engaged a back-end developer who also later became a co-founder. And fortunately, we had a basic infrastructure and some budget available from my previous company. And we also had more than a decade of entrepreneurial experience. Also, the team members already played significant roles in the previous company. How long did it take you from this idea and let's say talking with Marcus till the some resemblance of the product, let's say. Let's say that we already have quite solid ground in, in those initial uh, results of experiments uh, by artificial intelligence. And then when we uh, started to uh, add the benefits of language technologies with Marcus, that was in 2018, maybe summer 2018, I think we needed about a year to develop a minimum viable product. And it was like we, we did um, many steps in parallel. So in um, 2018, already in September, October, we engaged a front-end developer, then the back-end developer. And in March 2019, we already founded a company in order to obtain funding uh, by a state entrepreneur fund. So... Uh, Our application was uh, successful. We obtained a grant of slightly more than 50,000 euros. However, we didn't receive all the money immediately, and we had to accomplish specific milestones in the upcoming two years. But it turned out that something was at least equally important in the grant, the the access to mentors and various educational workshops. Uh, So a lot of this was about the speed of learning as a startup. So let's say in May 2019, we already offered the initial version of the product for testing by some of our friends and other people who um, from different fields. So there, there was also a lot of enthusiasm about it, even if the overall experience was far from perfect at, at that time. So I would say at the end of summer 2019, we had this MVP, minimum viable product, and perhaps not polished enough for the people to buy it, but good enough in order to learn how to arrive at a sustainable business model. Okay, so you had a MVP that you actually, that your friends and acquaintances tested it out. 
But when yeah, you... actually, uh, I already st- uh, tried to to sell it to uh, academics at some uh, academic conference to see their responses, and that was also a source of some initial users. Okay, you tried to sell it uh, in this, let's say, minimum viable product phase, or even sooner. Yeah, it wasn't actually about selling, but trying to find out how how they think, what do they need, and and it was uh, they actually liked the idea a lot. But later, we found out also with the help of a book that one of our mentors recommended that that in this initial phase, it's very important to to learn how to talk to to customers. So uh, there was this book called The Mom Test with a subtitle, How to Talk to Customers and Learn if Your Business is a Good Idea When Everyone is Lying to You. So um, you really help us to learn how to talk um, to users and potential customers. And the point is that people don't, give you useful information if you ask them hypothetical questions. It's much better to to let them talk about their past experience and see how they solve particular problems. So, uh, yeah, we learned that some people, for example, regularly spend about 200 euros to uh, proofread their papers, and that's still not uh, assistance in real time. Huh, I, I understand now, because you actually started discussing with them not your product, but how they are solving the problem that you were trying to solve. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because if you try to ask questions like, oh, would you buy a product that had this, everyone would maybe be optimistic about it and say, yes, of course, this is what I need. But when eventually it comes to, to that, uh, maybe the decision would be different. Yeah, yeah I really like the book, uh, Mom Test, also. Uh, and uh, the whole customer discovery process is like a gold mine if done right. So did this affect your pricing? Probably that that came later. We didn't think about prices at this, uh, at this time, um, although we had some pricing at the website. Mm, let's go to September 2019. So now we have this MVP and we opened the product to the public in order to learn three things. What would be a suitable business model? Uh, who are the most promising target customers? And in what ways we can improve the product. And at that time, there was no uh, advertising or anything. Okay, so you were aware that all these three are yet to be determined. You didn't have any pre-existing idea who the customer will be. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we we really had no clue uh, at the beginning because it looked like, yeah, this product looks like uh, useful for everyone. But uh, that's usually not the best uh, way to think about it. So, <laughs> yeah. because you may have different product market fits, and and this is not a binary concept. There may be stronger in some areas. One important thing at that time was that we engaged a professional salesman who spent part time trying to find out what could work. It was commission based only. We couldn't afford to pay to pay any salary, but uh, with a huge commission of the entire year of revenues for each customer uh, gained. But of course, it was it was difficult to gain any customer at the time, and uh, basically he tried with with companies at the time and without much success. But he already learned a lot and and so on. Can I ask you how did you manage to do such a deal? Because it's quite risky for a salesperson. Yeah, again, again, he was a member of previous company who some years ago. He helped us really uh, make a breakthrough with the previous product. So, so there was already a lot of trust. Okay, so the pricing was, uh, what, of around 100 euros per seat or something like that? 
Yes, yes. It was so, something about so for it. this person also, if he sells like five or fifteen, let's say seats per month. Yeah, that's that's the idea. It's really hard to sell a product that is not within specific price range. It, it must be product must be up to maybe 150 or 200 euros in order to be able to sell online, but more than a couple of thousand euros in order to afford uh, to be able to afford a salesperson. So if you have a product uh, of 700, it's really difficult to sell. Uh, and we had to uh, kind of, um, the goal was to find out in what context our product can be sold for a couple of thousand euros or in other words, which companies or institutions would be eligible for some kind of team licenses. Okay, and uh, which were? <laughs> yeah, uh, then uh, came this, another get out uh, of the building experience, uh, talking to customers, talking to mentors. And one of our mentors told us that a company can compete in one of the following only, the price, product, integration, or UX, so user experience. We clearly didn't want to compete on price. At the time, also Grammarly started to get big and there were already cheaper versions of uh, Grammarly on the market. We we couldn't compete in our integration because we were still a very small team. Uh, but it helped us realize that it's the product where we were where we really differentiate and, and not user experience. So instead of inventing our own UX, we, we started to follow best practices from other tools. So Microsoft Word, Google Docs, Google Translate. And people are um, already familiar with, with those UX uh, solutions. So once we understood this, many people started to acknowledge that our product is actually very useful and they recognize the value. So at the time, it was it was difficult to sell also because the product clearly wasn't good enough. And our goal at that phase was merely learning, not 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 to sell. I mean, sometimes you try to sell in order to learn. So you you were trying to sell to whom? Well, our, our first customer actually came online in October and she was a translator. She bought the license online, no sales involved. And uh, by the end of 2019, we only sold six licenses however I, I wasn't worried at all like quite the opposite we we have learned a lot in this period and um also we, we really focused on learning at this time uh, the product was ready in 2020 and and only then we started another phase in which we focused on sales and revenue so so at the time it wasn't clear yeah our first customer was translate a translator so should we sell to translators how do we approach them and so on so here it was again uh, important the help of mentors yeah so the important decision was taken in december which customer segment should we focus on so we chose academics for the following reasons um we understood this segment best so we knew how they think how they um, talk, how they value the product, when do they... For example, we knew that they are very actively involved in writing academic papers in the first quarter of the year. So it was just the right time uh, about then. So we started to organize meetups for academics first. These were live meetups. And even if we invited many people, maybe usually no more than three to five actually attended the meetup. And... Um, but those people were our initial evangelists. Can I ask you, let's say, uh, how did the invite look like? Let's say, what, what were you telling to them? What, what they were attending? 
Yeah, we we uh, organized a meetup for academics, and I think we invited the trial users. Yeah, so nobody bought a license, but many people were trying the product. Somehow, the word was spreading. So out of those, we invited only those who were academics, and then we sent an email in a way like my personal invitation and. Everyone was in CC and uh, clearly violating GDPR. Uh, as a startup, you have this this uh, wild card to not respect every l- rule. But it was it was important because uh, then they saw aha uh-huh, another 30 people are invited uh, and maybe I sent two emails like this. And since I was also one of them, it, it wasn't uh, looking that bad. Yeah. So many people were writing back, uh, maybe 10 would confirm, but at the end, three to five would arrive, which was enough. Yeah, It was always a nice event and uh, we talked. It usually took two hours and it was pleasant and everyone obtained a free license at the end. Okay, and what was the, te- uh, let's say, takeaway for you from these events? I learned something about what needs to be developed. We get, um, we, we also got some minor ideas for improvements. Uh, we saw that people are uh, enthusiastic about the product, but it needs to be polished in uh, certain ways. So um, also these people sometimes helped us to um, approach their institutions and to organize meetups there. Also, I was very active, uh, very active on um, on LinkedIn, trying to contact people and having conversation with them. Um, because LinkedIn turned out to be a good source. People don't feel like responding immediately, but but still they do respond eventually. So um, the conversations were going, and I was receiving feedback and. Uh, and so on. Yeah. So, but did this, uh, let's say, meetups, uh, let's say, resulted in some sales later, or? I I guess yes. I mean, um, it was also useful for the salesperson to see how they think, uh, and uh, we improved the product. I would say in January 2020. Um, again, by going out, talking to people, and got ideas, um, even some technical solutions that we weren't previously aware of um, that really helped to improve this user experience. And then in February, the sales really started to to take off. So um, our person, uh, salesperson, after this meetup, completely focused on this segment. He organized presentations at various faculties and research uh, institutes. And we went there together. It was me who was presenting and answering questions, unless these questions were about pricing and uh, purchase procedures. Yeah. So this way, we sold over 30,000 euros in just two months, in February and March 2020. So this was a huge progress compared to the six licenses uh, yeah. you know, sold in 2019. I can yeah. see. No, but what I really like, let's say, is that also the salesperson was part of these meetings. Uh, because yes, probably yes. Did, did he heard different things that you did, let's say. So when you perhaps, perhaps, and and also those uh, slides that I used there were already the beginning of our sales presentation later, and uh, yes, okay. So it was a direct feedback. 
But still, again, we needed to improve the sales presentation. Like one of the mentors told us, you cannot really preach to academics. You have to tell your own story. So, so that, that's why it was important to be one of them and, and also to, to tell them from our own uh, perspective, from, uh, my own problems and needs that I uh, felt that everyone has uh, in this segment. So did this now mean that you had a repeatable sales process, let's say? Was now something in place that you can scale? Um, perhaps not yet, because uh, there was one another interesting thought by one of our mentors that you can be either best, cheapest, or local. So with possibilities also like cheapest, best. For example, there's a story of Mercedes in uh, automobile industry. Yeah? So uh, goes like this, Ren uh, Renault cannot make cars at such quality, And uh, Ferrari cannot make cars at such low cost. So in a way, a Mercedes is cheap as best, although it's not uh, very obvious. Yeah? So generally speaking, there is nothing wrong with being the cheapest, mm, but our strategy on the market um, would, would then be different. So um, we, we decided to go for the best, which helped us to determine uh, our pricing. Also, uh, we established earlier, like I said, that we compete at the product. Our product is different than uh, everything else on the market. And, uh, but why I'm telling this? Because it was still important to take advantage of being local. So at least in Slovenia and perhaps in Croatia, getting some advantage uh, in generating sales. And, and this actually helped us a lot when we became a startup of the year in uh, in May 2020. So this gave us additional advantage on the local market and a lot of uh, publicity. Uh, but it certainly helped with with uh, local sales. Okay, I see. So, but uh, let's say now you had some sales, you had some funding, uh, let's say from the uh, State Entrepreneurial Fund, but uh, you are bootstrapped. So you have, a let's say, a runway. Yeah, yeah. Our our strategy from the outset was to to grow profitably. So we were very careful on the cost side. Basically, we were covering everything we with our initial capital that was twenty three thousand euros, uh, and with this funding uh, from from the state, um, which at the time still wasn't more than additional thirty euros approximately, thirty thousand euros. And and then our sales, yeah. So um, we never felt any uh, money problems at the time because still it felt like our product is still not maybe not only the product good enough, but uh, we haven't found yet the business model that would be really sustainable and repeatable to to grow larger. One thing that happened in the meantime was Corona crisis in uh, April and May. Uh, 2020. So suddenly we weren't able to do these live presentations. So we had to switch to, to Zoom. And this helped us a lot later because suddenly the entire region became available within a mouse click. Yeah. Basically, uh, we didn't know, uh, need to go to all those uh, places in, in Croatia, Italy, maybe Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and so on. And so, um, how did this, uh, let's say, live experience, live meetings, uh, live presentations translated to Zoom? Was it successful? Did you have any problems? Uh, yes, yes. Basically, I don't remember any occasion that, that as a result of 
uh, Zoom presentation, we wouldn't sell anything. This would be a rare exception. It's really interesting because you were in a way lucky. I also remember, let's say, discussing with some of my mentors, and one of them told me uh, on the sales process, he said that one of the problems with small countries, especially let's say countries like Slovenia, is that you have the convenience of going to lunch with everybody because everybody is just two hours or three hours drive away and it's doable. Uh, so you never learn how to sell at a distance, let's say, and how to do cold calls and so on. So let's say the corona and lockdowns actually helped you in a way that you uh, were forced to do a remote, uh, let's say, sales. Yes, but it was a process because um, it started with phone conversation uh, of a salesperson who uh, had a hard time connecting with professors and so on. But once he established a pure, um, honest contact with somebody, then this person started to help to obtain more interested people. Mm, Okay, at the time also we had a good product that really helped people. So it was objectively good to them but but what was value proposition let's say what was uh let's say what was uh the value that the salesperson was uh, trying to communicate when trying to get them to the meeting yeah we, we actually established these uh benefits quite quickly because i remember that in several products it may take even years to really find out the, the benefits so the benefits are that you are able to communicate clearly, concisely, in, uh, and get help in real time, that you uh, increase your acceptance rates and uh, shorten uh, times to publication. You also decrease costs. You are also too able to rewrite text in original ways, and so on. So there were many benefits that emerged, but as a result, the most important for academic institutions is uh, that they increase their acceptance rates and shorten the time to publication, making them more successful. It's like a currency in academic world. Okay, I got it. So you now mentioned, let's say, a few Central European countries. I presume that you now have customers from in all of them in academia. Well, this B2B sales mostly focused on neighboring countries. So yes, we have uh, customers from all of these countries. But um, this was not the only channel. So um, yes, we we were able to quickly find uh, find a very good, maybe the best market uh, product market fit, and we were able to finance our growth uh, with the help of uh, sales only. Uh, there were very little online sales uh, at the time, but now there are actually several possible fits. Yeah? It's not just product market fit. Um, there's also product channel fit or channel model fit and uh, even model market fit. You're now mentioning channels. So did you also now set up other channels for sale, not just direct sales? Yes. Well, the idea was to, to, to sell online. Yeah? I mean, it's possible to scale uh, a sales team, but here we have to be aware that that uh, we did have some local advantage. So we were able to, in a way, conquer Slovenia uh, quickly. Basically, all faculties and um, research inst- institutes uh, started to use Instatext. And uh, the good news was that in the next year, they came up with really good statistics and case studies really supported that uh, Instatext really helped them. So they all extended the licenses, and this was also an opportunity to upsell. 
so we already had a solid base of uh, income and next step was to enable global sales online. So we had online sales right from the beginning, but it was difficult to establish that channel. So online advertising was too expensive to obtain a positive return on investment. And we only offered bank transfer payments at the beginning. And also our pricing model was difficult to uh, understand. It was possible to communicate that model um, in, in B2B sales, but, but not online. So our goal was to enable global sales without having to worry about accounting and administration. So our plan was to integrate uh, Pedal.com, that's an online global reseller, yeah. which was a perfect solution for us, um, precisely because of no uh, no accounting um, uh, overhead and so on. So if I understand, Pedal is like the only reseller, and they they uh, they you just uh, let's say you just invoice them. And they invoice all of your end customers and take care of the taxes and everything and so on. Actually, actually, you don't even invoice them. That's that's really the magic of it. Uh, we were able by integrating Pedal, we were able to uh, finally sell globally with credit card and payment, uh, PayPal payments, and without having to use to, to issue a single invoice. So that was like magic. I don't know how to issue an invoice to Bhutan or Singapore or, or Chile. Okay, so this unlocked the possibility to sell online, but uh, did this help or did you have to also to, uh, let's say, did you have to make some adjustment to really unlock online sales? Yes, uh, actually, we fully integrated Pedal in at the end of November 2020. So uh, in the meantime, I focused on completing various courses on uh, digital marketing and growth product management. So um, at that time, we were ready to sell globally. Okay, so how, how, how to start now? I started with a small advertising budget in December 2020, but our strategy was to reinvest online earnings into scaling this channel. So... Um, and we were very good at that. So according to one of our mentors, our growth was uh, insane at, at, at times. So, yes, it was important to have this practically 100% retention in B2B sales. But still, the idea was to separate online sales from B2B sales. So B2B sales were financing um, the team, the growing team, the, the growing infrastructure, maybe external help. But online sales were self-sufficient, and uh, here we were again probably lucky because we were able to establish this advertising in a really positive way. And here I had a couple of years' experience as a chief data scientist at online advertising uh, corporation a few years ago, where we were building an autopilot for Facebook uh, and other online campaigns. So I understood the the, the details, and even later. When, when we started to spend like tens of thousands of euros monthly, we obtained an advisor from Google directly. And, and uh, he was really admiring uh, my approach to, 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 to the way how I handle things. Uh, but you mentioned, uh, let's say, a little bit back, product channel fit and channel model fit. Uh, could you elaborate? Let's yeah, ask. yeah. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't just that. Yeah, it wasn't just enabling credit credit cards, and suddenly everyone would buy. Uh, at the same time, when we introduced Pedal, we changed our pricing completely. We introduced just one package, so Instatext One, and suddenly 
you know, people, when you have a choice, you start delaying your choice and then you start to feel opportunity costs and, and, and other problems as well. So uh, by introducing one package only, all these problems disappeared. Uh, what were the problems uh, that disappeared? The understandability of the, of the pricing. Um, previously, we limited users by characters. And then nobody knew exactly how many characters are they going to need in the upcoming year. So this was a big obstacle. Um, then, then we introduced this unlimited package that actually has to have some hidden limits that are communicated with users, um, but but they're not uh, they're not relevant anymore. But they're probably part. They are probably part of terms and conditions and do not affect, let's say, 99.9% of the... Exactly. It's the, it's the similar stuff, let's say, that happened in uh, web hosting when unlimited pack uh, plans uh, became popular. Exactly from that, because people didn't know, let's say, technical details. They didn't know how many, how much memory they will need, how uh, how much disk space and so on. And you said, okay, unlimited, but in terms and conditions, you say, okay, but you can use it only for a website and emails. So... So it makes much more, uh, it, it reduces friction. I, okay, I understand now. Yeah, so. this was another case when the help from mentors and advisors was crucial. Yeah. Yeah. So you're mentioning now mentors and advisors uh, a lot, let's say, in this discussion. So mm-hmm. where did you get the access though, to all these mentors and advisors? And Some of them were a part of that grant. Uh-huh. that we obtained right from the outset when we founded the company. Um, but all the time I was learning, I was reading, I was doing online courses. So um, I took courses, let's say at the beginning, how to build a startup from Steve Blank uh, at Udacity. And then later digital marketing, uh, nano degree completely. And then growth product management, including growth uh, acquisition strategy, um, retention and activation strategy, uh, monetization strategy, and so on. So we knew from the outset that being uh, a startup is about about a speed of learning uh, and that uh, this speed of learning is crucial in order to do the right things at the right time. Okay. So this product channel fit was then this change in pricing or... What what's about what's channel model fit? This is the first time I heard about it. Let's say. Well, actually, um, this exactly had to do uh, with this. We weren't able to sell online until we changed uh, our pricing. So, model in a way would here mean in our context uh, the pricing model, and uh, in order to uh, wake up the uh, channel to sell online, uh, we we were forced to change the model, the pricing model. But it's not only that. It was important to find the right channels also in digital advertising space that uh, enable us to be ROI positive. Uh, and uh, can you share, let's say, what were the right channels? One of them is certainly Google. Yeah. But uh, this sounds strange to me. Do you mean like Google search? Because how would people search for Instatext if the whole category of the product is pretty much unknown probably to most of people? So why does Google work for you? It it may be, but here it was uh, very important that Grammarly entered the market with a couple of hundreds millions. Yeah. So it actually Grammarly created the market, and we when we developed the product we weren't aware of Grammarly, and uh, luckily because we, we we developed a different product, then um, those people who use both tools knows that 
know that they are completely different. Not not only that they are based on different technology, they actually are quite different from users' uh, perspective. But now, sometimes I joke, uh, it is the early bird that gets the worm, but it's only the second mouse that gets the cheese. <laughs> so here we were lucky to be the second, uh, in a way, second to, to benefit from awareness of people that um, communicating better really leads uh, to success. So you're actually, let's say, getting new subscriptions from Google search, let's say, from action-oriented search terms, let's say, so people looking for like spelling tool, uh, like Grammarly or something, no spelling tool, grammar tool. <laughs> um, it's it's not about Grammarly anymore. It's about the whole awareness of all kind of benefits that you can get from online tools uh, when writing. Okay, anyway, I, maybe I'm asking too much, Leslie, but can you share an example like search terms that actually generate uh, new customers for you that are maybe uh, surprising or obvious? Okay. Uh... Let's say, I mean, I, I will, of course, not share the exact yeah. uh, terms, okay. but, uh, but you can you can imagine like um, writing academic paper or or write assistant or whatever. You know, there's so many search terms that that really uh, people are looking for. I mean, it's not just hundreds; it's it's thousands of them. Okay, so now you have like uh, direct sales, let's say locally or regionally. And uh, what online you basically do uh, search engine marketing or let's say maybe basically advertising or did you set up some other channel online to sell? Well, it's uh, also this external help that that we, um, for example, we hired an agency that is specialized in uh, social media. So we, we solved this problem very cost uh, effectively by engaging external partners to, to do our social media stuff or outbound uh, outreach sales outreach for example is also one such example so outbound sales outreach so what you now have international sales or it's still just one salesperson and uh, he just now has a few sales development reps or something like that well, in the core team, there is one salesperson, but um, we engaged a couple of affiliates all over the world that proved to be successful and also in non-overlapping channels. We definitely have um, rooms for improvements, uh, room for improvements there to uh, scale the team uh, internationally. So we are looking for uh, local representatives in some countries. Uh, and what, uh, let's say, okay, what, what kind of representatives? What, what should their should, should their role be? Well, their their role is uh, perhaps similar to our salesperson's role in in um, domestic market. Okay, and how how large is the team now? Let's say uh, it's still small, or the team is still small, mm, but we were able to uh, solve particular problems by um, by engaging uh, external helpers people who are really specialized um, let's say uh, somebody who is an expert in content writing somebody uh, who is an uh, expert uh, i already told about social media communication or outbound sales communication automation but also we we do have advisors, like for online advertising, we always had experienced advisors at, at disposal. So we try to really bring uh, best people on, uh, on board to um, have a small but very efficient and effective team. 
And this corona crisis actually didn't touch us in any way with respect to that because we already uh, worked uh, remotely. So you have like uh, you have external advisors that advise you on strategy and stuff, and then you have uh, let's say also external collaborators. Some luckily were um, covered by uh, the program, uh, but eventually we that program ended. Uh, and um, Google, for example, offers us a free advisor because we spent already a lot of uh, on advertising. Yeah. I get it. Okay, so you're still bootstrapping and are profitable right now? Yes, and we were um, also able to uh, quadruple our sales compared to the previous year. Um, are you able to share, let's say, the ballpark of the annual revenue? Or We're going to surpass half a million this year. Okay, nice. Uh, and, uh, okay. Now, let's say, looking back... So we are still very small, yeah? yeah. Let's keep this in this perspective. But uh, but on a verge of being able to grow really fastly, uh, especially with the upcoming Chrome extension and other browser extensions that will really bring Instatext into every web-based environment like Gmail, Google Docs, uh, Outlook Web, Slack, uh, maybe Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and... Uh, WhatsApp and so on. Yeah, okay, this is also another question. Let's say, how did you balance with this small team, let's say, the focus of the team, let's say, between product development and sales? Did did you constantly develop the product or did you, for some time, focus just on sales and said, okay, if the product is good enough, let's sell it? How did you no, the, manage the co- Yes, the product is evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, the AI um, in the background is is improving all the time. That's that's the essence of the product. But also the quality assurance is something that we never really stopped working on. We developed additional technical tools like personal dic- uh, dictionary that supports multiple keywords, not, for example, Grammarly that supports only one, which is useless for professional writing. We also... Uh, supported language settings um, so that people are able to write in different styles like formal, informal styles or to switch between UK and American English. But that's from from the AI point of view. Now, from the product development point of view, we were always short of time. and yeah? There's always many more ideas that we can implement in, in real time. But on the other hand, Sometimes two developers, um, let's say one developer can develop something in one month that two developers would need two months. So it's not necessary that that uh, bringing more um, developers would uh, really speed up the process. Yeah, it's not you cannot paralyze it. Yes, and one one important thing was maybe also that we were always in a very direct touch with customers. So we really understood what their problems are and uh, like in the in the last few months our focus was basically on four things one was finance one was metrics one was content and one was features and this is an ongoing what do you mean by finance sales well finance was securing finance to fuel growth and we did um we were successful at another tender 
where we got a very a loan from the bank uh, under very favorable conditions. Oh, nice. So you're still bootstrapping. I really like that. Let's say. So what's the let's say in quotation marks end goal for the company and you and as a team of founders? Let's say. Well, um, the main goal is to create impact. So I, w- I would love for tens of millions of people to become successful with the help of b- better written communication. This is our mission. But why, uh, if I can be, if I can be provocative, why then you don't take on some investors and, uh, let's say, add rocket fuel to your growth? Uh, yes. Uh, well, the goal of every startup is to find uh, a sustainable business model. That's another uh, another view. So our revenues became predictable, and hence we are no longer a startup. Our focus is to grow, make our company stable, guaranteeing continuous improvement of the quality of our products and services in the years to come, but that's not the only uh, thing. Instatex is currently used not only by people involved in academic writing, but also business and marketing professionals, content creators, copywriting professionals, uh, translators, also ordinary people who would like to improve their email and social media uh, communication. So we are certainly at the point where where, where more money would uh, clearly mean growing faster, but uh, faster. Nowadays, there are also means of achieving the, these goals without getting diluted. So uh, without losing the control of the company and to maintain the, the freedom and independence that we had all this time. Maybe, uh, maybe let's say I can uh, drill down a little bit with, let's say, last question and maybe we will answer also, let's say, this, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's interests me, let's say, why bootstrapping. But let's say now you have like uh, three years of bootstrapping this uh, high-tech AI-based product. So what's one worst thing about bootstrapping and what is the best thing about bootstrapping, let's say, in your experience? The best thing about bootstrapping is that you are really creative uh, all the time and and uh, you nobody tells you what to do. You create your own way of how to do things. And, uh, you know, when... When I started my first company as a CEO and co-founder more than 16 years ago, our motto was create to communicate. And with Instatex, we took this motto to a whole new level, helping people all around the world to become better communicators. And to many people, this is the key to their personal success. And it's a great feeling seeing your idea take off and making so many people happy and successful. And I wish this would last so that we continuously learn and improve and to remain being creative and independent. Matej, thank you for sharing your story with us today. I would also like to thank all the listeners that stay with us till the end. Uh, thank you, Uroš, for inviting me. I hope uh, this story was um, useful and inspiring maybe to some other uh, people who have similar um, inspiration goals uh, and, um, and uh, challenges. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And do not forget to tell your friends about it. I would really appreciate if you tell me which entrepreneur would you like me to interview next. Just email me at podcast at bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu. The episode show notes are available on www.bootstrapentrepreneurs.eu. See you next week.